Welcome everyone to the Step Zero podcast. Today I'm joined by Peter Wolf. Peter has a very unique background, engineering, social science, mindfulness. Peter, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks, Matteo. Well, thank you for joining. So Peter is a, is a, is a conscious leadership coach and, uh, and he has tons of experience. He's, uh, he's um, San Francisco born. He lives now in, uh, in Berlin. He's been all over the world. He's a scrum master. He's, um, he's um, uh, part of the Yoga Alliance teacher training. He has a very interesting background. And Peter, I would like you to share with us a bit more about your, uh, where you come from, your background, and why is mental health at work and coaching at work such a big topic for you? Great, thanks. Um, I'll, I'll try to be brief uh, in the introduction. But as you said, yes, I'm from San Francisco originally, um, but I actually moved around quite a bit and went and earned my engineering degree at Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta, Georgia. And like, so I almost had 20 years of ex engineering experience. And that was kind of my, my corporate and government experience. And as an engineer working for Daimler, you know, this is in a, in a, in a corporate structure. I certainly had my fair share of uh, experiences, good and bad, about working in teams and just what it's like to, you know, to, to work in a corporate office. Um, and then after that, I decided I wanted to round out my, uh, my education, so beyond engineering, to like look at sociology look at culture and that's why i did a lot of traveling is because i love to immerse myself in different cultures around the world just to understand that people have different perspectives based on their environment and um yeah so after that traveling is when i went back and got my graduate degree which in which i got to write my master's thesis on organizational health, really about workforce engagement and workplace well-being. And it's part of that program that I earned my coaching certification. And that's how I started coaching and uh, as well as doing yeah, team coaching and organizational work. <clears throat> that's interesting. Like I said, you have a very diverse background. And what is interesting is that you started with you mentioned 20 years in the engineering field, and uh, and then you moved you moved towards what is you know at least on paper a very um, different course of, uh, of of action, right? And and uh, and so you moved towards um, organizational health. You started your own um, coaching practice. Um, about your coaching practice, I know that you are um, very vocal about team coaching versus individual coaching. Um, we, we spoke about this prior to the recording, and I know that, uh, that this is a topic that today we want to particularly focus on, um, because I, for example, wasn't aware that there is, uh, there is a, structural, um, a structural difference and cognitive difference between individual and, and team coaching. Can we touch upon that? Yeah, they're both very important in terms of, of organizations. I mean, 
if you're creating something more than likely you're not going to do it alone you're going to be doing it with other people so like that's where this word team comes from because work gets done with other people individual growth and development is also just as important because you everybody is at a certain level of understanding basically a capacity for leadership everybody's at a different level and that's natural it depends on where you were born your family environment your your age all these different things and so as a leadership coach i meet individuals exactly where they are and find out what the growth edge is and on top of that I work with the material that's going on in the moment. So if we were to have a session, then it would, I would ask you like in this conversational style, like kind of like we're having now, you know, what's going on and just open up the conversation, you know, more than likely we've had a few sessions. So there's a great deal of trust already established and within the conditions that are going on in your in your life at the moment there's always opportunities well i find this usually opportunities for growth and this is how the coaching is really practical um, and helps helps people just move beyond where they are in in that moment and hopefully learn how to basically keep moving. I mean, this is the idea of, of individual coaching is that we all get stuck at some point or another. And usually just like scratch my head, why, why can't I accomplish what I want to do? Or why am I so stuck on this thought or whatever it is? A good friend uh, uh, might be helpful, but also a coach really has some distinctions to help a person get unstuck and really move and grow and, and get back into what I say, like a, a performance zone. Hmm. Interesting. And, and so picking on this, like when you, when you consult with professionals in your, you know, in, in your day-to-day -day, um, profession work, um, do you address both individual coaching and team coaching? Like, is it an evolution? Do you start with individual coaching and, and go forth with team coaching? Or do you treat the two separately? How do you go about that? No, I, do, I do treat them separately because it all depends on um, who's asking. Like some, an organization might want team coaching or they might only want individual coaching. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's ideal when um, I'm working in both capacities uh, and it doesn't happen very often. It's usually one or the other. Uh, it would be ideal to have both of those because then, then as a coach, I'm really, I really understand the, the entire system. As I say, like the entire ecosystem of relationships. Um, when I'm just working on the individual level, then the focus is strictly on the individual and the individual's needs and really just try to put the, you know, the, uh, the other factors as influencers, of course, uh, but the, the focus is individual growth and development. And with team coaching, the focus is on 
relationship dynamics and to make sure that people, for one, know how to listen to each other because there's just some basic training uh, or basic distinctions about working together with other people that, um, and listening is one of those things. It's like, I really, I really have to be able to open my ears and receive what other people are saying. And that sounds really simple. It sounds like common sense. But because we're in a workplace and um, we're hired to, to do a job, what happens is, for use myself as an example, then I want to show how smart I am. So every time there's something going on, then that means like I'm not really listening. I'm just thinking about the next smart thing I can say, right? So that people will believe that I'm valuable and that I'm contributing or something, you know. That's a, that's a really good point. And, and you know, like we, we, we discussed this, like the, the first time we spoke that, um, that um, obviously, you know, there is this huge connection between the type of coaching that you do and, and the purpose of, of this podcast, which is to analyze uh, the occupational environment from a mental health perspective, mental health lens, right? And you touched on, well, on an individual coaching level, individual needs, right? And, and we speak often about the, the importance of aligning individual needs with company needs. So there is a lot of, in our experience at least, a lot of organizations that don't really go deep into individual needs. They immediately go towards the financial bottom line. And that's a big problem, right? Like there is, there is not enough, I would say, practice into um, discovering what individuals care about, what are their intrinsic values, and then transporting them on a company level. So that's, that's what happens. You know, that's why it's so great what you're doing at an individual level. At the, at the team level, so at the, at the, you know, when you analyze team relationships at work, this is, let's say, the same, same side of the coin, but obviously we're talking about, about, uh, about team coaching here. And you spoke about relationships and dynamics between teams, right? And, and, and this uh, social uh, dynamics that surround the team are as important to, to um, promoting mental health within a company because, you know, we are social animals. We need to interact. Um, we see it now with the, with, the, with the pandemic, like how difficult it is for people to work from home and not, and not being around their colleagues. Um, you know, some people even get into this um, Zoom uh, fatigue because they're constantly drawn to, to speaking through a screen and not, and not being physically around themselves. So what you're doing on both an individual and the, and the team level is very, very relevant and directly related to mental health at work. So for those people who are listening, like this is why we want to go deeper onto, onto the topic and, and, and treat the two separately, but analyze them uh, as much as we can. Now, if we were to touch upon, let's say, um, you know, the difference between individual coaching and, and team coaching, obviously we spoke about, like I said, individual needs. We spoke about uh, on, the other, on the other end, like relationships and dynamics. So the, the power of listening. Um, to what's going on within the team. What would you say is like 
why would you say one would be more effective than another or when is one more needed than another within within um within an organization like so when you you know i assume that when when companies uh, call you on board then they would tell you well we need this kind of coaching this kind of coaching but sometimes you will have to kind of recalibrate and and uh, value yourself what's what's important to um to these people so how do you go about understanding when is individual coaching important and when is team coaching needed well i'm a little biased because i think they're 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 both important so it's not so much in my mind a, a comparison of one or the other you know that they're both really effective tools for um for helping people grow and one is more individual focused and one is like you said more social socially focused um let me just back up a little bit and talk about the individual coaching and well maybe i'll, I'll talk about where they might overlap mm. and i use this topic of psychological safety as, as one example i'm not going to necessarily go into the you know the textbook definition of it but we all have different personalities and we know this the character if, if there's a if there's a group of five people somebody's going to be talking a lot some another person might not be saying that much another person might be very very kind of happy and and content in the moment another person might just be uh feeling a lot of anger and uh and someone else might be like people are having these individual experiences while in a group conversation so when i work in with individuals i might you know have a conversation with that individual about like them saying oh i wish i would have said that i wish i i wish i would have said that i came away from the meeting feeling bad bad about myself i feel like others don't appreciate me all these different kinds of things right because that's an individual experience and so as a coach, that's the material that I work with. What is in the way of you being in your power? What is in the way of you feeling expressed and contributing to the way you want to contribute? So like that, it might be one session, it might be three sessions, but that's how the individual work is really effective. So that person could go back not only into that meeting, with their team with um, a little bit uh, more fearless, but also their relationship at home, uh, their relationships with family, because the behavior is expressed everywhere. Like if there's something that's in the way of just saying what I really wanna say, then the coaching on an individual level is going to, is gonna help that person in all areas of their life. Um, as a team coach, say that same person that I was just talking about who had difficulty expressing what they want to express, if I'm now I'm the team coach and I'm witnessing all these relationships in action, the person that doesn't express what they want to say, the person that really doesn't want to stop talking and so forth, then, um, then I sense, I can sense what's going on. I can facilitate the conversation. I actually 
if I'm there in the room, then I can actually notice the, the relationship dynamics. And um, as a facilitator, use tools, text, techniques, or just a part of the conversation, make sure that all voices are being heard. So it's these team relationships, these team dynamics are just kind of unconscious. These behaviors are unconscious because people just accept, oh, those are the personalities, oh, that's just the way he or she is, but we, we actually always have this capacity to change and grow if we want to. So as, a, as an individual, individual coaching, I can help people grow along that leadership edge that they're working on, but I can also help an entire group grow in their ability to relate to each other. You know, I, I find this phenomenal because we, we, had, we had a few conversations on, on this podcast about, um, about letting people grow within the company, right? And, and, uh, and only, only some you know, little time ago, we spoke about individuals being at the point where they almost outgrow their company and, and, and somehow like, and obviously this is a, this is a kind of like a specific part of the spectrum of, of individual growing within the company, but like leaders are not always ready to, um, to let people grow and let people self-develop within the company. So this is what, what I thought because it happened to me as well, right? Like sometimes you, like you said, you, you, you explain beautiful, like you, you walk out of the meeting and you felt like I could have done more, I could have said more. Or sometimes you have a call with a client and then you analyze yourself and think I should have said this or I shouldn't have mentioned that, right? So there's always something. And, mm -hmm. and so the part of, of individual growth and letting somebody, uh, a professional employee or a leader, letting them develop within the company, this is something that I feel personally is, can be explored way more. Um, and and you know, there's, it's also probably one reason why the turnover in certain industry is so is so high, right? Like you see individuals leaving or or hopping to another company after a year and a half, right, or or a year at uh, at, at best. And and this is also I feel something that coaching at an individual level could partially solve, right? You let people grow, you let them you let them tap into their uh, weaknesses and insecurities, and and this is a way for a company to. Um, to build trust um, between themselves and the individual. And the same, like, and, and we spoke about the overlap between the individual sphere and the, and the team sphere. And, uh, and obviously, uh, one, one beautiful thing that I, that I got by, by what you mentioned is that when you are, you know, taking again the example of a meeting, and when somebody is speaking and you have this urge to, 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 to speak your piece, uh, but while you should listen instead, and this is, a, this is a huge thing when it comes to mental health at work because it's also, and it's also one of the foundations of, uh, let's say, um, design thinking or, or observing within, within the design thinking concept where you observe, but you don't judge, right? And, and this is a very difficult thing to do. And it's something that I feel should be more present in, in many occupational environments where, um, you know, like you, you listen to people speak without feeling this urge to say oh i need to i need to say something because if i don't then i look like i'm not prepared uh, or i need to say something because i feel that my thoughts are stronger or better or more practical or more useful 
and this is a thing that I feel needs to be developed at the, at the team level where, where people can listen and, and stay and refrain from judging, refrain from having to say their piece. So I think the, the, the way you explain the overlap between the individual um, coaching and the team coaching is extremely useful to you know, develop this meaningful uh, way of working and, and developing meaningful relationships at work based on trust, ultimately, right? Um, and this leads me to another topic that we're very, we're both very vocal about, and that is the 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 fact that we should focus when we when we speak about work, we should focus on all those aspects that improve quality at work, rather than. Um, superficial aspects that are kind of treated like a band-aid right like we we call them perks um you know there's there's a, we often do this comparison between the uh the kicker table the football table the the uh the yoga classes the playstation room and and i and i keep saying that those things when i experienced them were great were amazing right it's 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 fun uh, because they make they make the office environment something closer to your home environment but at the same time, when, when companies focus only on those, then that's where this big gap gets created and that's where the problem arises. May I ask you to, I know that you're, you're very adamant and vocal about this, this point, like may I ask you to elaborate on the, on the topic? Yeah, I think I'll go back to um, the conversation we had before and that I, I have had this passion about you know, well-being at work based on my own experience as a worker. And yeah, a lot of the, a lot of effort and a lot of activity at companies has been to provide these perks or, or wellness programs, things that like, well, we realize that that work is stressful. So we're gonna, or, we're gonna organize you know, lunchtime walks and we're gonna organize yoga classes and uh, or meditation or whatever it is these are all great things um and we don't need to get rid of them for sure but i also noticed that when when stress gets really high in a workplace is probably when these things are utilized the least because everybody is so focused on on the urgent deadline or on um on meeting a certain sales goal or whatever it is um, and so I became interested in like how could the very process of work be health enhancing right because work's got to get done either way either I have time for the lunchtime walk and hopefully people do it's great activity um, or I don't but either way uh we're here at at the workplace to coordinate our efforts to deliver something how do we do that uh, we do that in conversations we do that in a re relational space so then my focus became on how can the quality of relationships actually be health enhancing and um, so this is why I turned to um, turn to that as the focus. And yeah, and I studied things like uh, psychology, positive psychology, bioscience, to actually 
determine, is there even a scientific basis for taking this approach? And I discovered, yes, there is. So I guess that's a roundabout way of answering um, the question. It's because I wanted to get to the root cause of stress. Like, these have to do with things like fear of failure, uh, unmet expectations, all these things that, um, you know, a failure to perform, uh, unrealistic, um, unrealistic demands by supervisors, whatever it is, these, these happen in a relational space. How do we actually work on that? So that even if the demands are tough to achieve, we can be relating in a way that doesn't cause stress. Um, so I guess in my work, I refer to, I use the word stress more than mental health, but, and I actually also see it very holistically. It's, it's mental health and it's also physical health. And so when I was studying this, looking for the root cause in my own um, experimental design, I was measuring mental health and physical health because the two are very related, you know? And that's, and, and you touched again on a couple of very interesting points. And I like how you tie everything together because um, first of all, you know, you said at the beginning of the interview, like some things that we, that we discuss may sound common sense, right? Like the fact that the fact that you need to listen to your colleague rather than, than speak over them uh, or the fact that you need to be, you need to be open enough not to judge the fact that you need to tap into your own values. I mean, this is may sound like common sense, but at the same time, you know, somebody like you who's been uh, studying for and preparing for so many years, you, you mentioned positive psychology, bioscience. This is not something that, you know, um, anybody can come on board and, uh, and, um, and, uh, and just like have a magic wound and solve things, right? This is, this is things that take time. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely um, processes that, uh, that are, are in it for the long term. And it's not something that you can, as a manager, as a leader, pretend to solve overnight, right? And, and this is something that I want to, that I want to uh, clearly state because um, as, uh, as, you know, as much as this may sound common sense, this is something that takes time. And at the end of the day, you're dealing with people. And like you, like you, like you stated, like everyone is different and, uh, and just analyzing every single person may, uh, you know, may be the toughest part and it's just the beginning. Right. And, uh, and, and you, you touched upon, upon uh, mental design, which is a, which is a beautiful, beautiful term. Um, I know that, uh, that obviously you have a, you have a background in, in psychology, which, uh, which is mixed with your engineering background, which is mixed with your mindfulness background, which is, you know, which yeah. is um, if, you know, my, my a natural question that comes to mind is based on all of this, let's say, let's say that, uh, that, uh, you know, hopefully this, uh, this podcast gives you uh, even more visibility so that people can get in touch with you and, and, and pick your brain or, or, or ask you to, uh, to cooperate with uh, with the organization, but let's say that so far a company doesn't you know doesn't come across um, a figure like yours, and they want to start um, changing things around within the workplace because maybe they notice there are some issues at an individual level. Maybe they notice that uh, there are frictions uh, within the teams and between the teams. 
what is it that you think they could um, start with? And I know this is a very overly simplified approach, right? Because uh, like, like we said, it's not something that you can solve overnight. But if I, if I, was, uh, if I was a team leader, I noticed there, there were some politics that didn't exist before. There's some, there's some issues that uh, were not there until a few weeks ago. And I feel like I'm losing control of things and I'm losing touch of things. Like, where do you think a leader or a company could start looking into? Yeah, I think you framed the question really well because it's, it's hard to know where to start. And, you know, we also talked about design. Um, and as a, as a designer or as a, even as an engineer, you have to know what problem you're solving. So like one, one approach, which I'm happy to give one approach here, um, isn't necessarily the right approach for every, for every situation, every problem. Um, like, so I, I take a consulting approach. Like um, somebody might call me with a, particular, with a particular problem that they need to solve, but I'm still gonna go in and ask a lot of questions to assess you know, what else is going on. Like what else is influencing this kind of behavior or what, with this kind of problem? And so that I can actually show the person that there's many things that can be done and probably many things should be done over time. Um, so that being said, I do have a kind of a standard program that I call lead with purpose. So. That's the answer to your question. Where would you start? With purpose. Make sure that, you know, at the executive level, at, um, at every level of the organization, people have a purpose to align to. Like, and it's so easy for people to forget because if, for example, politics has some people moving in one direction, like that becomes a purpose and other people are aligned around um, sales numbers and but don't really know why but you know they, they definitely need to hit the sales numbers so at one level the purpose is organizational purpose it's team purpose but like start with that know what where like why we're here why are we doing this okay it might only take i mean it might only take three seconds to remember, but if you don't remember, then um, misalignment is, is gonna steer, take things sideways. And then the other part of purpose is individual purpose. So giving people the chance, giving people the opportunity to know themselves better, even ask, answering the question, why, why am I here? Why am I in this job? Why am I doing this work? What do we really care about? And the, what's important about that by asking those questions is that when we start to tap into individual purpose, we also tap into motivation. We tap into energy. We tap into the things that allow people to give more of themselves because they think, because those things that I'm motivated to give, I want, I want to give those things because they're just easy for me. I enjoy doing that. Um, and there needs to be a, a way to give 
everybody permission to, to know themselves better and to offer what they're good at in a way that uh, can be received by other people. That's, um, that's beautifully stated. And once again, you, you touched on you know, team purpose, organizational purpose, and individual purpose, which is connected to motivation. And, you know, I, I, and this happens, unfortunately, or fortunately often, where I feel like I should keep asking you questions for like half a day, but we're, we're getting towards the end of the, uh, of the interview. So let me, let me close with, um, with uh, one, maybe, I would say recommendation or, or piece of advice, like since you have a lot of, you know, obviously practical background, but also a lot of academic background, you've been studying and touching on a lot on, on several subjects over your career. Is there any, let's say, resource or, or book or person or uh, anything that you highly recommend that, uh, that people get familiar with? And, and you know, I, 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 I ask that also because both Dora and I are, are bookworms and, and, and we love getting these kind of recommendations. And I figured like, I think Peter has something, you know, something that could be interesting for us. Yeah, there is a book that comes to mind. Um, before I do that, I just thought I should follow up a little bit beyond the purpose, you know, as far as what people can do to get started. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this step, I think, sounds easier to do I mean you know in my opinion it's not the first thing but oftentimes it is the first thing and this is um, giving guidance training coaching about giving and receiving feedback it's a way I mean it certainly works on listening skills and it also works on um, helping people understand the difference between criticism and constructive feedback because we're probably because we're all somebody's child, you know, we've been reprimanded like you did that wrong. Never do that again. You know, so, um, and we carry those behaviors everywhere in our relationships, private relationships, work relationships, so, but there's a, a better way to do it and providing feedback that actually takes the approach that we need to stop and uh, reflect on, on what just happened and really trying to um, add as much awareness to that and suspend judgment and inquire, like actually what happened? Because we don't like the outcome, let's not do it again. But see, even in the language that I'm using, and it's like, it's a group responsibility uh, as opposed to like being an accusation and just uh, like being penalized for having done something. So um, listening and feedback is really a great place to start where um, you're trying to improve uh, individual and you know, organizational behavior. Uh, as far as a reference is concerned, I really love this book, 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. It's, uh, written by two people, um, Diana Chapman and Jim Detmer. They're, they're out of the Bay Area. And, um, they have a book called 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership and, they have a lot of free resources online and YouTube videos and things like that. And 
I, I recommend that one because it, it incorporates what I, uh, the kind of work that I do, which is consciousness work. So it's um, that we're growing our capacity to be human, to know ourselves as human beings so that we can relate to the world and each other better. Right? That's, the, that's what, for me, conscious leadership really speaks to. Like, we, there's another way, and you may hear this um, from other people, there's another way of expressing this as horizontal leadership development versus vertical leadership development. And I think in the past, a lot of great books have been written about what I call horizontal leadership development, and that's just building your skill set. Like um, how, to, how to give a review, how to, how to manage projects, how to put together um, a budget. I don't know. These are just like a lot of skill building things. But when it comes to like getting to know the inner world of the leader, <clears throat> that's vertical development. That's growing my awareness. And there are, and it's getting to know the multiple ways that I can know things. That might sound a little abstract, but it points to the direction anyway of um, growing consciousness. No, I think I think once again you said it very very clear. I I was personally you know that was one of the questions that I I would have felt bad not asking about um, because you you wrote recently um, an article on Medium where you also mentioned um, horizontal and uh, and vertical leadership development, right? And and so this this was like I was already thinking mm, I I don't want to end the interview without asking this, so I'm happy you touched upon it. Um, Peter, we, we got to the end of the, of the conversation. Like I, you know, least I can say is thank you for, for joining us and being very clear and touching on so many useful topics. I think you're doing obviously wonderful work and obviously, uh, hopefully with, uh, you know, we'll, we'll use references on the, on the website. We will, uh, we will, uh, uh, you know, drive as much attention, uh, to, um, to your work as, uh, as we can. And, and I hope that this will be, uh, entirely of value to you and your activity. Thanks a lot, Matteo. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Have a great day.